is Scott Richmond, the director for New York and New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate, and this show brings that to you from the WVUX studios in New York. It is clear that a front line these days is the battle for our democracy and the preservation of democratic values. Intensifying extremism and a liberalism pose profound threats both to Jews and other minorities in the United States and to our democracy itself. That is why ADL has just announced the creation of a new senior role within the organization, the Senior Vice President for Democracy Initiatives. My esteemed colleague Eileen Hershenov has been tapped to lead this important part of ADL's work. Regular listeners of this show will recall my powerful interview with Eileen about the January 6th lawsuit that ADL is now co-counsel on, along with the Attorney General from the District of Columbia. I've asked her to return to the show to describe this new role. Welcome back, Eileen, too, from the front lines. Scott, thank you so much. It's good to be back with you and your audience. I want to start by asking why, uh, or more specifically, why now? What trends are we seeing that led us to take on the fight for democracy? Well, first of all, experts in democracy and political violence are saying that all the warning indicators are flashing red in this country. They are saying that the slide from full democracy into a more flawed and illiberal and hybrid democracy connected with our hyperpolarization and hyperpartisanship and ethno-nationalist divides are the indicia that usually mean that a democracy is in trouble and that there may, in fact, be political violence. Second, um, our mission at ADL is to fight the defamation of the Jewish people and to secure justice and fair treatment for all. Well, one thing we know from history is that when you slide away from democracy, or if it's an autocracy or totalitarianism, it is not good for the Jewish people, other minorities, or vulnerable communities, as you said in your introduction. We have seen that around the globe. We see that in, in Hungary and in Poland, Venezuela, Brazil, India, Russia, China. Uh, and we also see the rise of hate and discrimination here as we slide away from some of the more robust attributes of democracy. So in order for ADL to execute on its mission, one of the most critical things is to sustain a robust democracy. We know that where there have been other types of regimes, we've faced tremendous oppression. And when we've flourished, it's only been at the discretionary sort of noblesse oblige of a ruler or a particular regime. And then the final point is that the particular threats to our democracy here in the United States at this time are accelerated by dangers that ADL has long tracked and disrupted and fought. The domestic extremism and its mainstreaming and normalizing online hate, viral social media channels, the intertwining of anti-Semitism with this type of extremism, and the suppression of voting. So the final point I'll make as to why us and why now is that these, there are many threats to democracy, but some of the most egregious are areas in which ADL has a unique value add that can be our entry point in this uh, fight to, to uh, save a, a robust democracy here. And it, it sounds like uh, you're getting to a point about how this fits with ADL's traditional mission, uh, how Jews really don't fare well in, in illiberal societies. 
That's absolutely true. And we're seeing that, in, as I mentioned, in a number of societies. And one of the things my program is going to do is to bring in Jews from these different countries that have slid from more robust democracies into what um, – you know, what Viktor Orban in Hungary calls an illiberal democracy and to talk about the effect it's had on Jews and other minorities. Uh, so I do think that, um, again, uh, whatever else we want to take on, if we don't make the connection to and help it protect our democracy, we simply will not be successful in our mission. So tell us uh, specifically, how are you going to do this? So one of the things we're going to do is to take areas in which we're already doing good work and make the connection with democracy. So, for example, our experts on anti-Semitism are going to be producing research and content that looks at the intertwining of anti-Semitism and fragility of democracies. There's already a great deal of research on this in certain other countries like Poland, uh, but it's an area where we really need to to uh, bring together the experts and some of the research on that so that people understand how anti-Semitism intertwines with the liberalism and extremism is really core to many aspects of it and that these are the things that accelerate the attacks on democracy. Second, one of the things we're going to do since we track what uh, potentially violent domestic extremists are doing locally in terms of uh, trying to suppress the vote, divide the electorate, intimidate and threaten election workers, we can bring that information that we have in a way no one else does to the coalitions that are working to protect elections and voter participation in local communities. Those are two ways. Okay, so you mentioned uh, coalitions. I think it's important. I mean, will you be focused on this alone, or is it? Uh, will you be working with like-minded organizations? We will indeed be working with like-minded uh, organizations. And I want to be clear, um, Scott, because one of the things sometimes people say is, boy, isn't this something that's very partisan? Like, is it? Is it? against Republicans, and protecting liberal democracy in the classic sense, I really mean classical liberalism, you know, rule of law, separation of powers, different sources of power, checks and balances, freedom of religion, uh, speech association, belief, press. These are things that Democratic and Republican thought leaders have long believed in and pushed for. It's not liberal democracy as in liberal conservative versus liberal in a partisan way. And I give that introduction because some of the groups that we will be working with are are not necessarily the normal voting rights and civil rights groups that you might think. So, for example, we're already talking to some groups of white evangelicals who are particularly appealing to white evangelical women and younger people who are concerned about their democracy. And in many cases, these are, uh, uh, most cases, these are registered Republicans, but they are not people that believe that the conspiracy of the big lie that the election was stolen in 2020. They are not among the millions of Americans now who believe, A, that the election was stolen and that's likely to happen again, and B, that violence is justified. So we want to speak, uh, work with these kind of coalitions. There are many faith groups. There are many uh, other types of groups. There are educators. Um, there, there are men, uh, health professionals. These are the folks that are 
finding themselves in the target hairs of extremists locally who are trying to push, silence their voices and push them out of the public sphere, schools, medical, elections. It's all kind of related in the sort of intimidation to push voices out of the sphere, particularly uh, targeting um, urban and, uh, and communities of color. Uh, but we will be working in coalition with, if you will, the usual suspects, plus so many more across our political spectrum who care about our democracy. And what about a, a wish list? Tell us about ideas for the future, things you'd love to see uh, in this role. Whenever you talk to anyone about, frankly, any of our issues or most other organizations, they say, look, the long-term play has to be education. So I think if I was to, to start with the long-term and then we can go sort of medium and immediate, I would say that we have to be thinking about the kind of education we have in K-12, to the kind of civic education I'm by no means the first to talk about this, and in universities, because we have lost that. I, I'll give an example that many parents do. When I went to school, it was far from perfect, but we had a lot of, uh, pro, a lot of uh, classes on civic education. My kids, who are now 19 and 21, had none of that in their public school education, literally none. We also, in a world of coming into the metaverse and disinformation online and deep fakes, we need to be teaching kids how to approach the Internet, not just to be safe from you know, sexual predators, but also to think about disinformation. So that's the long play. Shorter, we're going to work to make elections safe, accessible, free and fair. Okay, you, you clearly have your hands full, Eileen, uh, with this new portfolio, uh, which could not be more relevant for the moment we're in. Thank you for this incredible work, and, and thank you for being my guest on today's show. Thank you, Scott. Uh, and, of course, a big thank you to the listeners who tuned in to From the Frontlines, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is fighting hate for good.